Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. time since we welcomed you in on a drizzly day like this but hopefully we can give you some comfort or some entertainment some good information i don't know hopefully this show is all that welcome in it's nuanas now 1029 espn radio as well as statewide television swx montana tv i'm colter nuanas broadcasting to you live from the northwest motorsport studio northwest motorsport is new to missoula they're located at the corner of Stevens and Mount. You can also find them online at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. You want to listen to this show somewhere besides your traditional radio or watching on your traditional television, as it were? Head on over to our station website, 1029espn.com. 
click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. You can listen to ESPN Radio, this show, and all other ESPN Radio. Around the clock, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, seven days a week, all of the above, anytime, anywhere. You can stream this station, including this show. You can also stream our show via YouTube. Head on over to YouTube, N-U-A-N-E-Z. Friday, we're going to reveal our big giveaway. Got a lot of cool prizes for you, and uh, we can't wait for uh, you to hear all about it. But in the meantime, you're going to want to be a subscriber to the YouTube channel because that's going to be part of Entry Point to Win. Take a look at what we got in the show today. Going to get things kicked off. There's a big showdown in Cheney, Washington on Saturday night. If you haven't heard, me and the crew, we're all going over there. Andrew Houghton from ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports, as well as a couple of our photographers, Blake Hempstead, Jason Bocci. We're all going to be heading over to Cheney, Washington, Montana versus Eastern Washington on the Inferno. Number four, Grizz. Number six, Eastern Washington. We're here from Aaron Best. Eastern Washington head coach right off the top. It's part of our Across the Sidelines segment presented by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. About 4.30, good buddy Chad Dundas going to swing by. Chad is the co-host of the Co-Main Event Podcast. He also has a couple other podcast pursuits. We're going to talk all things UFC. Also got the heavyweight championship fight uh, coming up in about a week and a half. Uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, round three for those two big heavyweights. That's coming up on October 9th. So get you prepped up for that. And Chad's going to stick around. And our good buddy Justin Angle is going to come by. It's a business angle with Justin Angle, the overlay between business and sports. Talk a little bit about podcasting, the evolution of new age media. Talk a little bit about the MMA and the way that its business model has grown, diversified, and what has helped UFC become more mainstream over these last couple of years. Also going to talk about the state of affairs here in Missoula. Justin was able to attend the Grizz game. What did he think from a consumer and customer standpoint? We'll get to all that. Of course, it's a Tuesday. So that means hour number one. We got free Taglieri Deli for you. Taglieri Tuesday. So you're going to want to remember the number, 406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. want to remember that to call, text, be involved in the show, and to win free Taglieri about 445 Also, like we do every Tuesday, we have our Treasure State Stars featuring some of the best high school football performances from around the state of Montana. That's coming up about 5.30, so stay tuned for that as well. Time now for our Across the Sidelines segment presented by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate, your local real estate experts throughout the state of Montana. And this week on Across the Sidelines, we're joined by Aaron Best. He's the head coach of the number six ranked Eastern Washington Eagles, Eastern Hosts, Montana, Saturday night, Cheney, Washington, on the Inferno. Of course, if you haven't heard, it's on ESPN too. So it's a big time game. And coach, I know it's always big time when Eastern plays Montana, but this one, a couple top six teams in the country, a couple teams that are rolling right along undefeated. So uh, your initial thoughts on this matchup on Saturday, your team must be pretty excited. Well, we are, Coulter, and, and it just got dropped on me last night. It might be a little bit of knowledge. I don't know if it's factual or not. But this is the highest uh, – this is the, the, the Montana Eastern game. This is the highest both teams are ranked ever. So I don't know if that's truth or not. So I'm, I'm not spreading rumors. That's just what I heard from, from our guys last night, and uh, which is kind of cool because you, you don't have – it just makes the, the game that much more special. It's still 100-yard field, still 53 and third wide, still touchdowns are six points, field goals are three, extra points are one. Uh, but it but it adds to, to the 7.30 kick, uh, the national TV exposure for both schools, both teams, uh, both universities. It's just, to, to me, it, it, it couldn't come at a better time. It's just the start of fall. The weather's turning a little bit. First game in October. Uh, Coach Howick's back in the saddle for, for now his third season. Um, it's awesome. And uh, it's, it's awesome for, for, for both universities. And uh, now we get a host. We went to 
Missoula the last two times, 17 and 19. So um, we uh, we now get a host. So it's been a while since they've come to us, and so we're excited about the opportunity. University of Montana has never won at the Inferno. 0-5 on the red turf there in Cheney. Uh, so, Coach, you guys have had exceptional home field advantage since the installation of the red turf and just in Cheney in general, but particularly the last 10 or 11 years. Why? Well, I, I, I do think it, it has a lot to do with Bo Baldwin, um, who was who was obviously uh, my mentor as an assistant here uh, for nine years. I, I just think he instilled a, a pride factor in, in representing the home field uh, advantage. And then on top of that, um, it's uh, one of those pieces where it's, it's it's kind of kind of who we are, you know. To to call yourself a championship caliber team, you got to hold serve at home. You you got to run the table at home, and then you got to find ways to do things on the road uh, that you do at home. And so, um, we we we've kind of instilled that. Guys have taken pride in that for eleven years. We we've had a pretty good winning percentage on the red turf. And uh, we, we we continue to strive each and every week when we're you know represent our home fans and being on that red turf. Uh, it's just it just means a little bit more uh, because you're at home on a surface that uh, no one no one in the country gets to play on except for us. Uh, you know, five to six times a year, and so those we try to make them as special as we can. The pregame spin is going to gravitate toward the most obvious, which is an offense of Eastern Washington that's scoring 50-plus points per game, a defense of Montana that's only allowed two touchdowns to opposing offenses and nothing else uh, in between. So, Coach, let's start there because I know that there's way more to this matchup than just that, but that's the one that's going to get all the headlines. You guys have been so prolific on offense. What do you think of the matchup between your high-scoring offense and Montana's defense? So I was going to try to sneak out of this question because I think I think when you say offense versus defense, I think the third factor is special teams. Um, it, it, it's fun to know. Uh, it's awesome as, as a coach, as a player, to know that as well as Montana's playing on defense, as much chaos as they bring to the table with all their moves and, 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 and pressure packages and stunts and coverages and football IQ against our offense that's been you know pretty thorough for the first four games um, and not clicked on all cylinders the entire four games, but a better part of. Um, at the end of the day, the name of the game is score more points. Um, you hold people to minimal points, you've got a better chance to win. You score a lot of points, you've got a better chance to win. And um, it, It'll kind of be the battle of the Titans. Uh, but again, the, I tell the guys all the time, Coulter, most of sports folks that are not in building play the game on paper. The game's not played on paper. You can read all the stats you want. Throw the stats out when you get the kick because at that point, stats don't matter. Uh, there's a lot of momentum swings in the game. There's a lot of single plays made by individuals. Or there, there's guys that go out with injury. There's certain calls that are made. I mean, you, you got, there, there's so much more to the story than the stats. Stats lead up to, it's almost like preseason polls. Stat, you know, preseason polls lead up to the season. And once the season starts, no one talks about the preseason polls anymore because no matter what you do. So stats are great up until 730 on Saturday. But at that point, it's about making plays, take care of the football. And uh, field position is going to probably be the name of the game in this in this game. You know, you know whether it's, it's or get yourself off, out on offense from coming out standpoint to keeping them tucked on defense. Uh, the punters are going to play. And the kinky game will play a factor, if not the factor, in this game. I would imagine at some point, uh, whether it be early, middle, or late in the game. 
Across the sidelines presented by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. Aaron Best, Eastern Washington head coach, joining us here on Nuanas now on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. And coach, the special teams element is a key one. I thought Montana last week against Cal Poly maybe left something to be desired with their offense on the field. Their defense played well. They scored defensively, but it was the special teams that really won the day Saturday in Missoula. And Bobby Howe, renowned for a long time for his special teams acumen. So uh, how do you think your, your special teams matches up? Because I know you guys put a high priority on that element of the game as well. How important will that be on Saturday? Well, you know, it, the usual adage is it's it's a third of the game, but it's less than a third of the plays of the game. So it's actually more than a third of the game uh, when you talk about just the, the hidden yardage in special teams. And, uh, I'm sure Coach Hawk wasn't, wasn't all that thrilled with the fake punt that uh, uh, they got uh, called on, on him, and then they came back and responded with a block punt for a touchdown on the, uh, the next punt, I think, in the game or, or the few punts after, um, which uh, kind of negated um, kind of the momentum that Cal Poly had kind of put on. But it, it, last week was last week. I mean, it's no different than the Western Illinois going to the Southern Utah game. What, what we did in the second half isn't necessarily going to dictate what we do in the next first half in the next week. There's a lot of different variables that take place. And I think in any game, special teams is always a key component to any game, um, especially when you have, uh, you know, a good offense versus a great defense uh, in a game. The, the, the tipping point may be the special teams. And so uh, when may play a factor, um, you know, night, you know, the lights may be a factor. Um, I don't know, maybe uh, mindset may be a factor of kickers, snappers, Fingers get cold. I was a long snapper. I mean, you got to feel good to play good these days, right? That, that's what I've been told. you got to look good and feel good to be able to play good. So hopefully our guys are doing that. But uh, Coach Houck has, has done a tremendous job. He's always caused team fits uh, in all four areas of uh, pump, pump, return, and kickoff, kick, return. Uh, but it may come down to a field goal at the end of this game uh, on either side of, of the ball. So uh, it's, uh, it's fun. That's what you live for. That's why you play this game, to, to be able to take part in these moments. Let's talk about your personnel, particularly on offense. Eric Berrier having a spectacular senior season for Eastern Washington. His numbers are just through the roof. He's got a quarterback rating of over 190. He's thrown for 425 yards a game. He had six touchdown passes in the first half of a game. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the stuff that he's doing, but expected on your end, I'm sure, because he's a special, special player. He is, and and, and as much as, as, you know, even in 18 when he took the, the, the reins from Gage uh, into 19 and then in the spring of 21, um, he's gotten better every single season and that's hard to do when you're playing at the clip he's been playing at um, he's minimized his turnover ratio um, since he since he took over uh, he's he's led the offense he's a two-time team captain uh, voted on by his teammates he's done a lot of things outside of just statistics uh, that have led, led him to this point as well um, he, he's he's obviously a guy we count on uh, our offense goes through him he trusts his receivers uh, there's slow receivers that, that can come down and make plays uh, before you remember one guy's name. All of a sudden, another guy steps up that no one knew his name. Uh, but we've watched all these guys, much like every college football team, Coulter. You watch these guys every day in practice. The world may not be exposed to these guys now, but a guy like Afton Chisholm that played a little bit in the spring and had a, had a, a decent spring his first year has really stepped up to compliment to Lolo and Freddie and Andrew Boston and Johnny Edwards. And, and uh, so, so again, when, when you, when you, breed competitiveness, then the young guys take over 
uh, as the the old guys are setting the example. And uh, to be able to stretch a field from from sideline to sideline uh, with four, five, six, and seven receivers, uh, that helps a guy like Eric Berrier out. Berrier out. He's not a big runner. He doesn't run the ball much, uh, but when he does run the ball, he's effective in doing so. He's keeping his eyes downfield. He's avoiding the rush. Um, and uh, we, we've got a we've got our we've got our work cut out for us to protect Eric Berrier. But he's he's done some phenomenal things. And much like a few other guys here over the last twenty years, um, a lot of people are, are are mesmerized by what is done during those sixty minutes. And even though it happens week in and week out, uh, that's something very special. Uh, and we take nothing for granted as far as some of the plays that Eric Berrier has made. Uh, but uh, inevitably, he trusts his receivers. Uh, he's got some running backs that can complement the, the the passing game to be able to keep guys hopefully off balance throughout the course of the game. And Coach Shu has done a great job um, calling the game in the flow of the game. The, the the first four games this fall have been phenomenal, and Eric's in a pretty good group right now. Aaron Best joining us, Eastern Washington head coach. His team hosts Montana Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. kickoff, Mountain Standard Time, 7.30 their local time, and it'll be on ESPN, too, so you'll be able to find it pretty darn easily. And, Coach, one last question about your offense. I know that the players, justifiably so, get a lot of the attention, but I want to ask you a little bit about your staff because I know Ian Shoemaker is doing a great job there, like you just mentioned, as the offensive coordinator, but a lot of guys that are pretty young, talented coaches, from Jace Buderak to Pat McCann all the way down to Aaron Pierre. So what do you think of those guys, the work that they've done so far? How much do they contribute to just how prolific you guys have been on offense? Well, you know, what we've done is what we've done. Even when you talk about kind of the crossover in coaching, Coach Rosenbaugh was a guy that I GA'd for here at Easter way back when. So even some of the same uh, conceptual things that we were doing back in the early 2000s, uh, we, we tweaked them, and, but not necessarily changed them. We've, we've implemented over the last 20 years what a lot of the coaches have had, had their fingerprints on while they're here, whether it be Coach Taylor, Coach Baldwin, um, Coach Telford way back in the day, Coach Rosenbaugh, uh, Coach Sturdy, who was here in 2007 when I wasn't here. So we've, we've kind of gathered everything from everybody and kind of fit our needs as far as our personnel. Uh, and, and kind of the, the the flavor of the year, if you will. Uh, but Coach Shoemaker's doing a great job. Coach Pat is a tremendous coach uh, that we were able to get a couple years ago, bring him back out you know, to the state of Washington. Uh, we've had a, a few, and it always happens in this profession, where guys end up having opportunities elsewhere. Um, and so we've had to kind of plug and play a few holes. Mark Anderson, who's a director of football ops is now our tight ends coach and uh, chief of staff. And so he's in a role of tight ends, which he took over in the spring and is now doing that again this fall. Coach Budarak, you mentioned, who's the offensive line coach for a player here, uh, Aaron Pryor from Idaho State. Um, his coach of position he once played, and he was a receivers coach at Idaho State. And uh, it, it, It's just it, – it's. Then there's Coach Shu that is uh, is calling it all, and so uh, we have a pretty good vibe. Uh, we, we we were able to do this in spring, but not everybody was in tow in spring. We had Coach Pryor join us after spring, and so I think people want to join. Um, when they have the opportunity uh, as far as what we do offensively because we are so explosive, we're so dynamic, and, and we don't just we, – we, we scratch what we did the week before, and Monday's a new day to game prep for the next week. And so uh, we, we try not to stay stale. Um, it's a credit to our players to be able to be as flexible as they are with the stuff that we do. We ask those players to do a lot, um, and they, they have – 
passed the test thus far through four games. So we'll continue to push the envelope. And uh, but uh, a lot of credit goes to to the coaches as well uh, to be able to make this thing work and to have the success, the sustained success we've had. Aaron Best joining us. It's Across the Sideline, presented by Mike Nugent, Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate, interviewing coaches that are taking on either Montana or Montana State. You're listening to ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. And, Coach, when you look at Montana's defense, the the number one word I can think of is chaos, but they seem to run more fronts than maybe anybody I've seen. Uh, They bring pressure from all over the place, but the fact that they bring so much pressure, they still don't give up very many big plays. So how would you describe what the Grizz are doing defensively and why are they able to mitigate big plays even when they do send the house pretty much all the time. Well, you're right, and and the one thing about Montana that is that is that is different than most teams that we face is they stay in the same, pretty much the same personnel, no matter what personnel you're in offensively. So they're able to communicate calls through the same eleven guys, and they're not subbing based on the offense subbing. Um, so they play three safety rotation, obviously with a boundary middle and, and, and field safety. Uh, they create chaos, like you said. They, they, they try to get your eyes to do weird things. Uh, they, they trust your fundamentals and pass protection, especially. Their tackles behind the line of scrimmage put you in second and longs or really longs. They're a productive, productive bunch on first down, which puts you puts you, your playbook at a, at a little bit of a less of a clip when you're second and 12 or second and 13, you know, every other second down. Uh, their corners and safeties are cover guys expect they're going to sit on routes because they expect the pressure to land. And so I think that does minimize big plays because if you don't have time to create the big plays, you can't run downfield 40 yards if, or get the ball off for 40 yards if all of a sudden you're 2.2 seconds to the quarterback and the quarterback's leaving the pocket now his eyes are not downfield and he's tucking the ball and trying to get across the line of scrimmage with his legs. Um, so you've got to establish some amount of run game. Uh, but what they do is they keep you off balance. They bring pressure from a lot of different areas, whether it be safeties or corners or backers. Um, they got some fact totems over there, which they can put on the line of scrimmage or put them in uh, the box or outside of the box. They like to bring four and five man pressure from a lot of very fronts um, to keep you honest. And so we've got to change things up as much as they change things up. And at the end of the day, you got to trust your technique. You got to trust your teachings, and uh, and you got to be fundamentally sound. But they've, uh, like you said, mitigated a lot of big plays. But a lot of that has to do with the the non allowance to the quarterback to us sit back there, pat the ball, make his reads, or get to a second or third read. If the first read you can't get to because time is up, um, that's a pretty good pretty good situation for any defense, uh, but especially a defense that flies around harder and more than any defense I've ever seen sideline to sideline. They are relentless with their effort, and that is a testament to their defensive coaches, uh, but ulti- ultimately Coach Houck. Well, Coach, let's talk about the other side of the ball, the matchup that, that uh, seems to be not getting as much play, but I think is going to be uh, equally, if not uh, even more fascinating to watch. Montana, when they have the football versus your defense, uh, what have you thought of your defensive performance thus far, and what do you see out of Montana's offense thus far? Well, I think I think you, you, you've watched just as, as we've watched. We just get the, the bird or the sideline view as opposed to the bird's eye view. Our defense has been stout at times, and uh, we, we, but we've also been inconsistent at times. As Montana will establish a run. They're going to get in 11, 12, and 13 personnel. They're going to establish the run, and they're going to continue to establish a run and then reestablish the run. Uh, 
So I would I would imagine Coach Rosebach, Coach Howe, they will lean on the run game, much like they did in 19 when we were there in the first half, because I think that was Cam's first start, if I remember right, um, with uh, the quarterback being out that week, and they sat in 13 to 22 personnel for a better part of the first half. Uh, we, we've got to be able to, uh, again, be productive on first down. Uh, they have a big front. They're kind of back to their, their days up front with the offensive lineman being, you know, 6'5", 6'6", and 300-plus pounds. They're going to lean on you. Uh, the quarterback's not going to be a run threat all the time, but he'll be enough to where they'll be able to boot him. They'll use the tight ends in the play-action pass. And, again, the better off you run, the more the play-action pass opens because safety start getting closer to the line of scrimmage. Backers getting a little bit more uh, weight on their toes. And so we've, we've got to do a good job of the run. But most importantly, Coulter, we have to tackle. No matter where it is on the football field, we have got to tackle. We've been – in two weeks ago, we were very inconsistent tackling against Western Illinois, especially in that last 30 minutes. And then last week, we got we improved a bit, but we've got to improve on what we did last week on the road in Cedar City. So um, you're right. This could be, again, special teams and probably uh, Montana's offense versus uh, the uh, Eastern defense is probably two things not talked about enough that need some pub because that, uh, that may be uh, the tipping point in the game at some point, whether it's early, middle, or late in the game. Across the sidelines, presented by Mike Nugent, Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate, Aaron Best joining us. Coach, just a couple more things I want to ask you. Outside of the football game, about the spotlight that is now on your program, your athletic department, your university. You're an Eastern Washington alum. I know you take a great deal of pride in coaching at your alma mater. Uh, But ESPN2, under the lights, at the Inferno, doesn't get much better than that. What do you think of your opportunity for exposure on Saturday night with the Grizz coming to town? Well, I mean, from a university standpoint, from a city standpoint, from an administrative standpoint, it's 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 awesome with with, with all caps. Um, the players, the support staff, and the coaches have done a great job to put themselves in this position. Um, you don't get here without a ton of hard work, without a ton of belief, without a little bit of luck. But most importantly, taking a taking taking the right uh, approach to opportunities that, that we faced. And so, uh, for us to, to to be able to show the world, really not the nation, but the world. Uh, you know, Cheney, Washington, and uh, Roos Field on the Inferno. Uh, you, you don't you don't get that every day. So this is this is a hard earned opportunity against a great opponent in Montana. It shouldn't happen any other way. Um, we we love the fact that we're on it, but to to be able to share in the competitive nature on Saturday night, seven thirty against Montana, uh, it, it 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 just it fell into place at the right time. Um, against it with two really good teams and so uh a lot of credit again goes to to my mentors coach baldwin coach wolf and coach kramer for for getting us to this point and and let's be honest the competitors want to compete day in and day out year in and year out and uh for 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 us to look back and know that where the program has been and what we continue to want to do it's not easy it's not easy but but nothing that you is worthwhile or that you're really going to relish in is easy so um that's what good programs do and, and there's two good programs going at it uh at 7 30 you know, on the west coast time hopefully those east coast uh people stay up late to watch uh fcs football at its best on saturday well, they say Pac-12 after dark. This is going to be Big Sky after dark, and I can't wait. We're making the trip over to Cheney, bringing the whole ESPN and Skyline Sports crew. It's going to be an awesome evening. Can't wait to be there. Coach, thanks for spending so much time. Always a great pleasure to talk to you, and best of luck this weekend. No doubt. Thank you. Safe travels, Coulter. Appreciate it. After- 
After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual, but it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The Spartans kept on rolling with another decisive win over one of Class AA's top contenders, this victory coming on the road. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Missoula Sentinel extended its winning streak to 14 games with a 27-6 win at Helena High on Friday night. Adam Jones scored three touchdowns, and the Spartans' defense shut down an offense that scored 63 points the week prior in a win over Hellgate at Washington Grizzly Stadium. The victory is Sentinel head coach Dane Oliver's 60th the most in Spartan history. In the Garden City, Butte continued its winning ways, posting a fourth straight victory with a 24-0 triumph over Missoula Big Sky Friday night. The win moves Butte to 4-1 and, and drops the Eagles to 1-4. The upset of the weekend in Class AA came when Great Falls CMR drilled number 4 Billings Senior 36-12 behind three fourth-quarter touchdown passes from Cole Taylor. The win moves the Rustlers to 4-1 and, and drops Senior to 3-2. In Class A, Hamilton continued to prove their top ranking by ripping Stevensville 49-12. Future Grizz Tyson Rostad tossed four touchdown passes and the Broncos scored 40 points or more for the fifth straight game to keep Hamilton undefeated. Dillon gutted out a 27-21 victory over Frenchtown in a crucial Southwestern A clash to keep the Beavers bright in the playoff picture with a 3-2 mark while dropping the Bronx to 2-3. Key Christensen tossed two touchdowns and ran for the game-winning score in the fourth quarter to lift Dillon. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. magic trick I've been on the radio and you've been listening to my voice via the YouTube stream and the television but you probably didn't see me here sorry ma I didn't mean to worry you she's like how are you talking on the radio when you're not in the studio well the first segment was pre-recorded there this is gonna be a little bit more of an often thing only because of this so I apologize to our TV audience or maybe I don't maybe I actually prefer to watch the show on TV when I'm not physically on it because in its essence it is a radio show and that's also on television. But I was just down at Grizz football practice. Rainy, rainy, rainy. But uh, they were going over some stuff. So Coach Hawk, Bobby Hawk, was a little bit late to our uh, little deal. So here nor there, uh, I had that first segment with Aaron Best pre-recorded. So I appreciate Coach Best for joining us, and I appreciate you for listening in. Welcome back into Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and you can actually see. The gentleman on your television now. We're broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. And I'm Coulter Nuanas. Now joined in studio with my good friend and uh, semi-regular contributor to this show, Chad Dundas. By the way, thanks to Mike Nugent, Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate for that uh, last Across the Sidelines segment. Uh, didn't quite get the uh, the full read in there at the end. But Chad is a, a man of many hats. And he's swung by here, if you've been paying attention, from time to time over the last six months but i haven't seen you in a little while man how you been living how's, how's it going 
I'm doing great, man. The kids are back in school, which obviously is sort of like a white knuckle experience from day to day. <laughs> sure. Uh, had to have a kid home all week last week because he had the, the sniffles. But like you, you can't send them when they're sick. So it's just right. like a uh, every plan that we make is is tentative and contingent on everyone's continued good health. So it's been uh, it's a little bit of a crazy ride for us. So Chad's got three kids, right? That's correct. So how old are your kiddos now? Uh, they are nine, six, and four. We just got our nine-year-old an electronic drum set for her birthday. Oh, boy. You are so, a brave dad. So she is. Well, I'm I'm brave, but I also played the drums myself okay, when I okay. was a kid. So I knew I couldn't in good conscience tell her no, that like we weren't going to get her a drum set. But I also told my wife, let's get the electronic ones so she can plug some headphones into those bags. Right, and right. And we don't have to listen to them all the time. See, this is smart. This is a, this is a, a dad that's becoming a veteran dad. <laughs> Well, Chad and I have a lot to go over, a lot to get to. By the way, in the second hour, we're going to hear from Justin Angle. It's a business angle. Uh, Justin's a professor of business at the University of Montana and also a podcaster, as myself and Chad also are. And uh, Chad's entry point onto this show is the co-main event podcast, which is a great MMA podcast. You've been doing this for what more than a, more than a decade now, right? We've been doing this podcast, uh, Ben Folks and I, for nine years. Wow, almost a decade. That's yeah. crazy. That's got to be one of the longest standing podcasts that there is, really, because podcasting's only really been around for that long. Yeah, maybe that could be our claim to fame. Like, it's... it's uh, we're just not going to stop until they <laughs> they wheel us out in the, in the coffin. Well, you guys do a great job, and it's definitely a very well listened to. Uh, but the UFC was at a fever pitch in the spring and the summer, seems like it's calmed down a little bit only because we're sort of now entering another season where there's going to be some primetime fights. So just give us a broad update on what's going on in the UFC. Seems like these last couple UFC cards maybe not quite as hyped as, as some of the ones we saw in, in the spring and the summer. Yeah, over the weekend they had UFC 266 down there in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, which is sort of the UFC's home away from home. Uh, and it was one of these fight cards, just like you said, that might not garner a lot of attention or a lot of wide mainstream audience, but they had two titles on the line and they actually came away with a pretty spectacular uh, night of fights, to be honest, kind of from start to finish. There were there were some crazy knockouts and submissions and Nick Diaz made his return to the cage after several years. And then the two title fights, uh, there weren't any surprises but the main event in the men's featherweight division, Alexander Volkanovsky and, and Brian Ortega had what might turn out to be one of the funnest, most competitive main event title fights of the year. So that was that was good fun to watch. But the you know the UFC is uh, in a little bit of a of a holding pattern, I would guess, trying to get their pay per views lined up for the end of the year. Uh, they're going to have a, a heavyweight title fight. Francis Ngannou going to defend his title against Cyril Gaon, maybe over in France, but that might not go down till the beginning of, of 2022. Um, there's a, a lightweight title fight now essentially on the books. Dustin Poirier uh, going to fight Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title. So those will be big fights when they happen. But right now we're in, in one of these kind of, uh, I don't want to say lull because the UFC continues to do events every single weekend. No so question. if you are a hardcore fight fan, there's more than you could ever hope to watch. But it's going to be a little while before, uh, you know, you see one of the big crossover stars like Conor McGregor or uh, John Jones or somebody like that return. What's up with Conor McGregor right now? Because his last fight uh, suffered a weird and sort of bizarre and, and semi-devastating injury. Um, I know he's getting heat right now because of his poor <laughs> throwing out of a first pitch last night. I didn't even catch where it was at. I just saw that it, it didn't go very well for him. But what's up with McGregor right now? 
I mean, the guy's from Ireland. He may have never thrown a baseball before in his life. <laughs> I'm not in the business of making excuses for Conor McGregor, but in this case, you know, maybe get him a, a hurling stick or something and he would have a better chance getting it over the plate. Uh, well, as a lot of people know, McGregor obviously broke his leg in uh, the fight with Dustin Poirier, his last appearance in the Octagon. Kind of like a freak thing, really. He just kind of... Uh, Maybe cracked it during the fight, maybe came into the fight with some stress fractures, as he alluded to after it was over, but kind of stepped on his back leg wrong, suffered a a pretty ugly uh, compound fracture. So he is in full on rehabilitation mode at this point, I believe, living over in Los Angeles and uh, posting Instagram videos where he's driving his rascal scooter down the street in L.A., And uh, basically being a, like a walking disaster everywhere he goes. <laughs> Tried to take him to the uh, Video Music Awards a couple of weeks ago, and he ends up throwing a drink at Machine Gun Kelly. Right. Getting up up in his face and in, in, in an altercation on the red carpet. So uh, a lot of chaos in the life of Conor McGregor. Is there anything days. that's ever going to check this, though? I mean, because it seems like he has been living in a constant state of chaos, a walking disaster for quite some time, yet there seems to be no consequences for this. In fact, I would argue it might actually even make him more popular. Is maybe not the right word, but relevant certainly in the in the news. Yeah, I mean, he, several years ago when he threw like a uh, moving hand truck through the window of a UFC chartered bus at uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, and everyone was astonished and and so offended by it. And Dana White said it was one of the ugliest things he'd ever seen in the history of combat sports. And then two months later, they're using it in a hype video. To promote Connor's fight against Habib turned out to be the biggest selling fight in UFC history. So you can argue that some of this bad behavior has increased his uh, his marketability in some ways. But uh, he's he's one of these guys that's getting to the point now where uh, it's starting to be a worry because he he is just kind of erratic and all over the place. Things have not gone his way either in fights or his personal life for a few years now. But the UFC will keep putting him out there because they make money when he fights, and that's the bottom line for for this this company. And so, like, is there anything that will check Conor McGregor? I think age, opposition, and sure. if he ever did anything bad enough to land himself in in jail, like that, that would probably be the only things. Nuanas now one zero two nine ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio, Northwest Motorsport, largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can check out all those trucks. They have over 1,600 right now online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanez, in studio. Does the UFC even care about McGregor's conduct or misconduct? I mean, I guess like in other sporting entities, there's personal conduct codes. We see guys in the NFL every year getting suspended for off-the-field indiscretions. Is that even a thing in the UFC? No, only to in the instances where it might cause a, a PR headache for them. Uh, you know, the one thing that we found out, case closed about the UFC over the last 18 months or so, is that the almighty dollar kind of rules the roost. And that's that's the only thing that uh, that makes waves over there. You sure. know, like they're, they're, uh, they're in the business of making money at this point for their corporate owners at Endeavor. So... That's that's kind of the the whole tale. The UFC wants to make money, and it will continue to do that. the The biggest difference too, though, is these guys aren't on contracts, right? Or they're they're just getting paid per fight. Whereas when you 
you work for an organization when you play in the NFL. You're on a contract. So that's probably the distinct difference, right? Well, yeah, the, everyone who fights in the UFC are, are uh, subject to exclusive contracts, but they're legally classified as independent contractors. So they have exclusive deals with the UFC, some of them lengthy uh, and uh, restrictive. But in terms of a legal sense, all of the fighters are independent contractors. So the UFC doesn't doesn't technically have to like worry about them in the same way you would with a, an employee or a player in a more conventional mainstream sport. You want to be a part of this conversation? You got some comments, feedbacks, whatever. This is a uh, question from a, a listener. I would love to know how good Chad thinks AJ McKee really is and if, if when he'll switch to the UFC. So tell us a little bit more about this guy. Wow, an AJ McKee question. Hey. I'm impressed we with, have some, with your we, listenership. That's right. Indeed. Uh, AJ McKee fights in an organization called Bellator, which is the second largest sure. MMA organization in America. It's owned by Viacom, and uh, so they do events on, on Showtime. The president over there is Scott Coker, who is a longtime MMA fixture, a respected guy in, in fight sports, and he used to run the Strike Force organization, which was probably, at least in America, the biggest competitor to the UFC up until about 2010. Sure. Um, but A.J. McKee is a featherweight fighter, the son of a, of a previous MMA fighter named Antonio McKee, so he's a second-generation guy. This year, he just won the Bellator 145-pound tournament, became the champion, kind of walked through everybody in the bracket, including the champion Patricio Pitbull, who he defeated in the, in the final pretty easily. And at this point, he's one of the biggest prospects in the sport. And I think, you know, the, the listener hit it right on the head. The only question is what Bellator can do with him because they're, it's a small pond over there and he's getting to be an awful big fish. And he is now to the point where I think they are going to have to show him some money to get him to stick around. And a lot of people in the MMA community will, will be waiting with bated breath for him to cross over to the UFC uh, and take on some of the guys that, that are re- regarded as the best fighters in the world at that weight class. Uh, and it's, it is probably a specifically, excuse me, answer the question. It's going to depend on what kind of uh, contract offer Bellator can make for AJ McKee uh, and whether the UFC would open its pocketbook for him. So that's interesting because we were just talking about these guys that aren't necessarily part of an organization on contracts, but they are affiliated with specific fighting promotional units or how does that work i guess how does a guy get called up so to speak from bellator strike force to the ufc uh well he would have to fight out his contract with bellator and, okay. and hit whatever in mixed martial arts equates to to free agency Although sure. all of the contract uh dealings in in mma are are sticky to say the least um but, but yeah you would you would do it essentially in a, in a conventional way where he would probably have to be in Bellator for the extent of his contract. And as we sit here, I don't honestly know how many fights he has on his deal. So he would have sure. to fight that out with the with the conscious intention of, of testing the free agent market. And then he would see, you know, who would pay him the most after that. Who do you think is the biggest star that once was in non-UFC, one of these other organizations? Because a lot of guys just start out just straight up in UFC, right? Yeah. Well, uh, was Uriah Faber in Strike Force once upon a time? He was in WEC World Extreme okay. Cage Fighting, which okay. used to be kind of like the premier organization for the smaller fighters. Back sure, sure. Before the UFC had a men's 125 pound, right. 135 pound, 145 pound division, a lot of those fighters were in the WEC, uh, and then the UFC bought that organization and slowly kind of absorbed those smaller weight classes. So Uriah Faber was actually the longstanding. Uh, men's bantamweight champion of of the WEC and then sure. came over to the UFC. A lot of the people who became 
big stars for the UFC during its its heyday over the last you know decade or so actually came from Strikeforce. Ronda Rousey was a Strikeforce right. fighter when the UFC bought that organization. Daniel Cormier was a Strikeforce mm-hmm. fighter. So many of these people that you've seen mature into into bankable stars uh, for the UFC uh, came from Strikeforce at one time or another. Chad Dundas of the Co-Main Event Podcast, but many other interests as well. Native Missoulian joining us here in studio on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. I want to talk a little boxing. I also want to give you, the lucky listeners, some free sandwiches. And I want to talk some Grizz defense as well because uh, we had a countdown going on, or I guess a count up, as it were. Chad was following along intently. I was making sure to give him an update throughout the Cal Poly game because I knew he was uh, tracking Montana's scoreless streaks. We're going to attack Grizz football, Dante Wilder versus Tyson Fury, and we're going to give you some Tagliari Delicatessen. Keep it right here. You want us now. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio What's up, what's up, Montana? Hope you're staying dry here on a rainy Tuesday. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. You're listening to Nuana is now on 1029 ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Chad Dundas joining me in studio. He'll be rolling with us about 45 more minutes. Justin Angle just showed up as well. So the three of us have a little conversation about the overlay of business and sports here in about 15 minutes. But first, Let's get the business out of the way, or at least the thing you all are here for. We got sandwiches for you. Tagliari Delicatessen, one of the best sandwiches you will find anywhere in the state of Montana. You don't believe me? People Magazine says so. The Food Network says so. These guys are like nationally syndicated sandwich shops. One of the best places you'll go, corner of Beckwith and Higgins. So even if you don't win the giveaway today, swing on down there. It's a great little place to stop in, too. Get yourself a bottle of wine. Maybe some specialty pasta, pasta sauce, everything in between. It's a awesome little place, a little Italian-style market, but the sandwiches, that's what that's what's going to keep you coming back for more. Right now, we got 25 bucks to Tagliari Delicatessen for you, so give us a call. Caller number 2-406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. And the second caller is going to get $25 gift card to Tagliari Delicatessen. Chad, uh, I was tracking... The Grizzly scoreless streak because actually Bobby Houck put this on my radar and I had to do a little mental math following the 42-7 Montana win over Western Illinois in their home opener. He said it's been 115 minutes since our defense has allowed a touchdown. I thought, 
wow, he's right because they allowed a touchdown on the first drive of the Washington game and a 13-7 win and pitched a shutout for 55 minutes. The only points that Western Illinois scored came on a pick six, so a shutout for the defense in that one. And then against Cal Poly, Cal Poly did not get on the scoreboard. Despite their best efforts, they missed two field goals, and they also had a turnover in the red zone. But despite their best effort, did not get on uh, the board until midway through the fourth quarter. So the final total, 165 minutes and a, a couple seconds and change. But I know you were tracking this as well. But this is a – I mean, Coach Houck is not one for hyperbole. In fact, he won't even give you any sort of uh, color to anything you ask him. But he called this unprecedented and superb. Those are the two biggest adjectives I've ever heard him use to describe anything with his football team. But I know you were tracking this. And the Grizz defense, they look pretty mean, pretty real right now. I mean, it sounds like hyperbole to say it, considering some of the defenses that we've seen at Montana in the past. And I don't want to jinx them. But at this point, this defense at least has the chance to be one of the best, if not the best, all-around groups that we've had, just in terms of the results. That they are generating? Seven points per game right now through three games. I know it's only a three-game sample size. That is an absurd number. I mean, Nick Saban talked about this on a podcast last year. He said, I used to think that our magic number was 10. Now I think our magic number is 21 because everybody can score 21. Because college football, as much as it's ascended, it's actually fully digressed to the basic principle is to put kids in space, make them make mistakes. And guess what? When a kid in space makes a mistake, the kid with the ball is so fast, he's scoring a touchdown. And, and no matter what level you're at, even FCS, FBS, whatever. But the the, the production right now is astounding. Coach Alk on his radio show last week, his coach's show with Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, who, by the way, joins us here on Mondays on Nuanas Now. Coach Alk proclaimed that Patrick O'Connell, number 58, the outside linebacker from Kalispell, is playing at the highest level of any player they've had at Montana since he returned to Montana. It's a strong statement considering Dante Olsen won the Buck Buchanan Award in 2019 and set the all-time Big Sky Conference record for tackles in a single season. To say Patty O'Connell's playing better than that, that's pretty good. The thing I would say about the Grizz in terms of comparing them to historic defenses is during the the heyday of the Grizz from the mid-'90s through the uh, late-2000s, they had good depth. and In fact, sometimes they had great depth, but they also had a lot of headliners. That's why you saw so many guys go to the NFL. I don't know if there's a guy on the team that's going to be a fourth-round draft pick like Corey Bierman was or a guy that's on the team that's going to get drafted out of the secondary like Tremaine Johnson and Shan Schillinger and Cole Anderson and all these guys. I don't know if they have that top-end individual talent. But to me, they're playing as hard as any Grizz defense I've ever seen. They fly to the football, but schematically, they're so complicated and what they do defies conventional wisdom. You're not supposed to be able to bring the house on every play and then still have no weakness. Cal Poly ran, I think I was trying to count it up. I have to re- rewatch the film, but they ran between 11 and 13 screens on Saturday. I think the longest gain was like a 12-yard gain. When you run a when you blitz seven guys, you're not supposed to be able to just have a screen get blown up by the corner, but they do it. I think that's where this defense sets themselves apart. Yeah, and like clearly the Kent Bears 3-3-5 defense schematically isn't unique, especially in college football. The 3-3-5 sure, is sure. having a moment. It's become more and more popular over the last five or ten years. But the when you mentioned the depth that this defense has, they're running, what, 25 guys out there? That's the craziest part is unless you specifically noticed, you didn't notice that Gavin Robertson, who's a sixth-year senior safety, who's a former Pac-12 transfer, didn't play on Saturday. Right. He had the flu. You did notice because Garrett Graves, number five, 
didn't miss a beat. In fact, I would argue she might have been even better than Robertson was so far this season. So uh, that, that's a testament, though. You're right. He, I mean, Garrett Graves led, led the team in tackles. I believe he did. Yeah, I think that's right. But so the thing that the, that Montana is able to do right now, not only do they have this the three three five front, which allows you to do a lot of different things that can be confusing for an offense. Yep. But they can run so many guys at you yes. at the same time that it's that. It's not as though you just have to account for Patrick O'Connell, right. who could be anywhere on right. the field. Right. You have to account for him and maybe a dozen other players. So it's not just like you can be like, well, watch out for, what is it, 56? 58. 58. Yeah, 58, yeah. Watch out for 58. Well, he might not even be out there. It could be somebody else. And that that allows them to do so many different things with moving players around and, and bringing uh, linemen on twists. and. Yep. Uh, I think you got to also shout out the secondary who has been kind of lights out so far. Out, yeah. uh, they will obviously get a test this this weekend, but like just the mere fact that they now have DBs and safeties that seem like they can run with wide receivers down the field allows them to bring different blitz packages. And uh, you and I talked about this the last time I was talking to you, but also I think you can't discount the weird abbreviated spring schedule, sure, which allowed them to play a couple games. And I think I'm not an X's and O's master, but like I, th- I feel like that probably allowed them to come into this season with a lot of things installed that they might not have till later in the season. And frankly, maybe just had a bunch of stuff that the University of Washington was not prepared for, and they've kind of built on that through different games. So they are performing at an unbelievably high level and seemingly are offering so many different uh, alternatives that opposing teams haven't known what to do yet. That's exactly right. And you heard Aaron Best say it off the top during this show. We've talked extensively about the depth, the schematics, the pressures, the preparation, the, the way this team practices, the how high level their practices are, the fact that they had, count them up, three spring balls and then an extra fall camp essentially to get prepared for what is this season the physical gains they made in the weight room, all that. But what Best pointed out, which I had not considered yet, which I thought was fascinating, is the vast majority of substitutions in college football are personnel-based. You're taking this guy off the field because the offense put this guy on the field. You're putting this guy on the field to guard this guy. Montana doesn't sub based on personnel at all. They only sub based on when you're tired. So then they just have fresh guys going crazy. They're not even worried about what the offense is really doing because the whole premise is go as hard as you can, play with your hair on fire, and just crush people. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating to watch, but it is certainly a return, uh, maybe, if they continue this, for uh, a thing that's been missing in Missoula for a little while. And I think that that could be the the key because I think that the offseason, in the spring, summer, I think a lot of the narrative around this team was Sammy Kim and Mitch Roberts and Gabe Solcer and these explosive running backs and the improved offensive line and a six-year senior at quarterback. They're going to score a bunch of points. I don't know if a lot of people expected this to be an absolutely lights-out defense, but three games in, it absolutely has been. Yeah, uh, and I'm really excited to see what will happen when they go on the road for a night game at the Onion Patch uh, out there in eastern Washington. Because <laughs> I'm calling it that. That's good. Uh, to this point, and like you, you obviously watch this team closer than I do, so you can tell me if this is right or wrong. I get the impression that it has been a staple of both – Bears defense and Tim Rosenbaugh's offense, who I feel like, by the way, has been insanely good as offensive coordinator this yes. time around. Yes. But I feel like it's a staple, basically, of this Grizz team that they keep a lot up their sleeve. That sure. they That they are out there scheming against Cal Poly, for example, not only to get stuff on tape that 
Eastern Washington has to prepare for. Like they ran the Statue of Liberty last the Statue week. Statue of Liberty and the two-point conversion, given them, given the Eagles stuff they have to account for. But they, they also don't run a lot of stuff early in the season. And That's I right. think you have seen a pretty vanilla game plan on offense. And I my my hunch is that that's one of the reasons that you haven't really seen any of these any one yeah. of these impactful skill position players yeah. on offense assert themselves. Right? It's been a very it's been a committee. Yes. Uh, Sammy Akim, Gabe Solser, Malik Flowers, even Keelan White uh, right. are all getting into the action, and right. we haven't had one big game breaker yet. Uh, I th- I would expect against Eastern Washington that you're going to open up the playbook a little bit, and you will have some special stuff dialed up. For the Eagles, and that's one of the things that makes me feel excited about this game. Not only the magnitude of this contest, but also just like to see what Tim Rosenbaugh has left up his sleeve for this game. I would imagine you're going to see some some trickeration. The other most underrated part about this is not just what the Montana Grizzlies have up their sleeve on offense and defense, but I think that the common fan often forgets there is an extreme amount of scheme, especially from great special teams coaches like Bobby Houck in the special teams game, that kick return for a touchdown that they had to open the second half, that was not an accident. It's not just like they were, they've were they been blocking it up and they sprung one. They have never run that kick return scheme ever, and they caught Cal Poly dead in their shoes with the one crackback Flowers hits it, he's gone. It's yeah. the same thing with the pump block. They were baiting Cal Poly into shifting the personal protector because they were overloading the right side. They do that for the entire first three quarters. Then what happens? They bring the blitz off the other side. Bam, Levi Jaron Carroll blocks a punt. It's a touchdown. So that's where they, I think they can screw with people because they will run schemes in games that they've never run before and never run again on special teams. And uh, that's, I think, what makes them scary because they might beat you by two or three touchdowns on special teams. Right. And then the, uh, the the matchups between the offenses and the defenses become sort of secondary. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. We're going to talk... More about the upcoming heavyweight championship fight with Justin Angle because I think that he actually has an interesting perspective on the rise and fall of boxing. And we're also going to talk all things Grizz from a consumption standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a revenue standpoint. Justin is a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School, and he joins us during hour number two here on Nuanas now for a business angle. Two of the smartest guys I know in the same studio. That's going to be awesome. Chad and Justin Angle. Right after this, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 